Amen. Thank you, orchestra, piano player, all the musicians. Appreciate you. I think we're having a little problem. They're telling me with my PowerPoint flickering, so I'm going to try moving this over here, see if that ends up giving us just a better angle. So see what happens with this tonight. So as they put my PowerPoint up there, thank you all for putting up with me as I'm a new pastor, getting used to being up here, doing something different than what I've done. Most of the time before, I do appreciate your patience, figuring out how to communicate better with, with you and all of that. But been been this a year as I've been speaking, uh, the times I've been up here talking about worship and making us think uh, about one question here. Who is God and how should I worship Him? We're going to have an open mic at the end. I mentioned this last week where if you want to share something as well that maybe you've thought of, while I'm speaking, I know while other people speak, I think of things all the time of what would make them better than what they're doing. So if you have something like that as well, um, we will try to listen to you eventually. So we'll see if this is going to work or not. It's just a connection issue or something. So um, if you ha- and need a handout as well, ushers are in the back. They have a handout. You just raise your hand and they'll bring it up here for you. So they might have to be turning it on and off. That's what they're saying. So... They might have to turn it on when I have an answer they need to fill in at least. But only other option, I guess, is you go get my iPad. You go get my iPad from my office. We'll see if we can pull it up on that or something. I don't know. I don't want to waste too much time on technology. I'd rather just keep rolling here today. Um, so uh, there in your handout, I put some things there. At the top, the ceremonial prologue to the tribulation. Where are we at uh, right here in what we've been studying in Revelation 4 and 5 uh, about this, this time, this special ceremony, getting, getting ready for the tribulation judgment, but something special that's happening. This is a huge deal. Okay, and then how are we approaching God in worship? How do we see God being approached in worship and things? So uh, that's the, kind of the purpose of this. Are you thinking about how you worship? Will you worship the same as we see in heaven? Why would you worship different? Uh, lots of different things to consider, and hopefully you'll have some ideas for us later. As we look at this, uh, chapters 4 and 5, we, we have what's seen at the throne. And you can see, well, you can't see it there. You can see it on your handout. What's seen at the throne, um, and there's certain scenes. You have the first part of what I'm calling Act 1, because I'm a musician, um, which is a scene of the glory of God. And the throne there and all the beauty and the, and the creatures and the elders and all this going on. And then you also have uh, in Act 2 at the beginning the drama that's going on. Something else that's being seen. And uh, so, yeah, this is going to distract me while I do this. And then throughout both Acts, we have a crescendo that's happening. Things are getting stronger Louder, if you were, but as each song happens throughout it, it gets stronger. Let me just go ahead and jump over here and see if I can find this quickly. It might not open quite as well on my iPad, but I think we just need to give it a try and see what will happen. I have never used this. Drew, you're probably going to have to come over here and show me again from last week, but I think I'm getting it. And then I can hit that. I don't know if it's that connection. I think it's my connection, actually, so I don't know if this is going to help. But we'll... Screen mirroring. Play. All right, is that flashing less? 
Not really. Well, at least it took some time. Okay, we gotta, we're going to have to move faster now, now that this took some time. We'll, we'll see what happens. At least we have lots of stuff up here to distract us. So, um, the crescendo of praise. It gets louder and louder. I am on that one right there. Okay, so it gets louder and louder throughout the Acts 1 and Act 2. Uh, there's scenes, there's things that you see at the throne, there's also things you hear at the throne, and that's where the crescendo happens. So, um, with the drama we looked at last week, of, of the part, act two, first part, the drama of who is worthy to open this double-sided scroll, the epistograph, is what we found out is a two-sided scroll, and everywhere is searched, no one can open it, and then John starts crying, the elder says, and you can go ahead, please turn in your Bibles there, Revelation 5, because that's where we're at tonight, and then um, John's crying, the elder says to him, don't worry, you know, this is all planned, this is we're ready for this. There is somebody, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the root of David is worthy. So it's this strong picture we have in our mind, and then he shows up as a lamb. We see him as a lamb who's wounded as if slain. And so we see the suffering servant and the conquering king together as one idea right there in this drama presentation of this program uh, ceremonial program of, of something happening here for Christ. You also see with Christ the Holy Spirit, which uh, symbolized by horns and eyes on the Lamb, and the Spirit and the Word always working together as one is a common theme throughout the Bible. And we saw that last week. That is where we ended. So tonight we pick up in verse 7. Let me see how this works. Well, they're not showing it anyways. But if they were showing it, it would say that the lamb receives the scroll. So the lamb receives the scroll. And as we get into this, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, especially for technology to work. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we have, just to study the word, to prepare our hearts, even for the Lord's Supper here tonight and what you've done for us. And may we just be filled with songs of praise to you after tonight and know better how to approach you and what would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we look at this, the Lamb receives the scroll, verse 7. Let's go ahead, and I'm, I'm going to read this out loud. It's on the screen if they're showing it. It says, And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. I said the Lamb receives the scroll, as you're filling, instead of takes. Not that I think take is wrong. It's just I don't want you to think that he's just, hey, give me that, Right? which can be our idea sometimes in our country nowadays. This is something that God sees him as worthy, and he's handing him this thing, this scroll, and Christ receives it from him as something he has earned. It's a great scene. He's not receiving it because we say he deserves it. It's not received because we're going to sing about how he's worthy. It's received because God says he's worthy. And so God is handing it over to him, not just taken, not something that we have uh, proclaimed as something that needs to happen. This is something that's long been anticipated. I wrote that as one of the little bullets on your, on your uh, thing. I might, just, I might just switch over to looking at the same thing you are. That might just help us stay together a little better since my stuff on the screen isn't working. So it says, I wrote there that the long-anticipated kingdom plan. This is something that's been long in the works for God since the fall of man. And I just kind of want to point that out to you a little bit this evening. Um, first of all, I see that well, I was thinking through 
my ordination, which is why I put it up there on the screen last week. Now, I had a similar, I had a program here as part of my ceremony for me to become an official pastor. And I think about how long I waited to become ordained. I'd always kind of planned on it, but the timing just wasn't right. And so I'm 43 years old, I get ordained. How long was it before Christ went and did his work? So I, I came to the ordination council at 43 years old. Yeah, I know that's your only takeaway tonight. But. I'm 43 years old. I get ordained. I, I go through this ordination council. They say I'm worthy. Okay. How long was it, though, for Christ to come to the moment that he did the work that made him worthy? About 5,500 years, give or take, okay, since the fall of man up until the time where Christ comes and dies on the cross for us. Okay, so I want you to see the long plan that God is working out, giving the law, giving all this stuff. This is, this is going on a long time. This is highly anticipated stuff that's going on. And then you have Christ dying on the cross. I had to wait one day from the ordination council until this service where I became an official pastor, get the certificate. Okay, and Christ has been waiting already how long? Over 2,000 years. Okay, and we don't know how long it will be since he died on the cross. And, and so think about the, the plan that God's unfolding over time for good reason, but how long Christ is waiting. And then here's the moment. That's what's going on in this chapters 4 and 5. This is a big, long-anticipated thing that's going on. Since the fall of man, this has been waiting to happen. Okay, so understand the magnitude of what we're dealing with here. So many years in the making, um, and I think as part of that, I also mentioned there the patience of God is on display. And I, my favorite verse that goes along with this is first, or 2 Peter 3, 9, which says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So... God has a plan. He's not willing that you'd perish. And Jesus is willing to wait for that plan to unfold, even to get this scroll to be proclaimed as king. You think of the patience of God and that attribute of him. Um, so as we continue on with this lesson tonight, this gets us to that second bullet of Act 2, which is the hymns of redemption that happened toward the throne, the hymns of redemption toward the throne. I did not give you a fill-in on that. We've talked about that before. It's right there above as well. This is just the section we're getting into. As part of this, there's three songs that happen here in our scriptures, and hopefully you have opened up to that. I'd like to go ahead and read verse 8. First of all, and under each of these, I've left a lot of space. That doesn't mean a long time. Okay, it means that you're going to help me come up with this. You might write something slightly different. You could work ahead if you think I'm getting boring. And actually get some of the answers probably right. For each of these songs, I want us to say who's singing it. It's a song of praise to who. And it's a song about what. Okay, so three things that we're kind of looking at as we head through this. And I quickly uh, take us toward the Lord's Supper tonight. So verse 8 gives us the answer sort of for who's singing. And we've talked about this before as part of the crescendo. So who's singing in this passage? The 24 elders, the four creatures, 
And then if you want to add something else in there, you can add in harps and bowls are with them, okay? So harps can add a lot of sound. Um, man, I really wanted to show some pictures and stuff in here, guys. You got to make this work for me somehow. Go get me another HDMI converter or something. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But um, the, the, um, I have pictures of some of this stuff, so that'd be cool to show. Um, anyhow, maybe we won't have it, but... They fall down. Let's read verse 8. It says right there in verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute, about who's singing. They fall down. Okay, does that affect on, on how, how we think about worship a little bit? They're falling down. They have harps. I love harps. It's, uh, it's so beautiful. My wife plays me to sleep every night with those, you know. No, she's asleep before me, but she would if she was awake. I'm quite sure. Um, the likely the harps are probably, I'm saying, they're probably not just for looks that they have them. They're adding sound. 28 harps playing along would add quite a bit of sound. These harps are not um, just a cheap lyre. Okay, these are actually, the word there is kathara or kathar, is sometimes called. It's a professional lyre, little lap type of harp. Sure, bring it on up. See what you can do, Drew. You can do it while I continue to talk. Um, let's try it on my computer again, too, because that's where I really, that's where I'm used to doing it. We'll see if it pops up the picture, if you can get that picture to work. So uh, as I talk about this, kids, help me out. The word cathar. Does it sound like anything else? Cathar. It's my cathar. What does it sound like? What, is, what did you say, Grayson? What, what did he say? It's not it. Maybe it does sound like that. This is my guitar. I'm going to play it. Okay, what is, what is it, Chloe? My guitar! Okay, so basically this is the 28-team worship team up there jamming away. No, they're down on their faces right there. They're falling down, so it's different. And these are still... Do we add a picture? Yes! Is it working? No flashing? Okay, it's just my connector. This is great. I'm going to put this one away. So you've got this cathar. It's got a handles on the top. You can't see surfer well where they can adjust the sound a little bit, have uh, bend the tone a little and such. This is what John at least thinks he sees in their hands, but some sort of instrument that goes in the lap and they can play things. This is a cathar. So uh, a professional, professional type of instrument and so good music. Okay, interesting stuff. Look it up online. People imagine what it might sound like. We don't know for sure. Okay, uh, they also have the golden bowls of incense uh, in their hands. Uh, I assume they put this down as they're playing. If they're playing the lyre, they might put it down in front. But what's in those bowls? I said it already, didn't I? Incense, which are, is the prayers of the saints. Who are the saints? We are the saints. Your prayers and those like you, other Christians, their prayers are there. What kind of prayers I thought might be there? Well, it could be different things about bring your kingdom to earth, right? Are we praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And I'm just imagining maybe that's part of the incense prayers that are there before the throne during this moment where the kingdom is coming in in a more full form. Um, incense used for what? Often to color, cover bad smells, but it's a pleasing smell. It's a pleasing smell that's used. So what is that saying about our prayers? It's a pleasing smell to God that we would come to him, giving our prayers there to him. He hears your prayers and he likes to listen to them. 
He likes to smell them, whether it's something he hears as well as part of this music or whether it's just a smell of aroma, but it's a pleasing thing to him. And so it's really neat, neat specifics in there. So what's the, sec- the second thing on your um, thing is who uh, do they sing to? The lamb. They sing to the lamb. It's very personal in this one of the songs. And I looked in several translations. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll in verse 9, right? Um, So a very personal you used several times, uh, definitely directly to the lamb himself. And then we have the what do they sing about. And we'll just keep moving along here. What do they sing about? Verse 9 and 10, you're worthy to take the scroll. Actually, let me start at the beginning of verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for your slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. A lot there, uh, but one of the neat points I first want to point out is that it's a new song. What do we call that if it's the first time something's performed? It's the premiere. This is a special occasion. They're pulling out a premiere. Maybe they're so good they can improvise it, but it's a premiere. I'm saying it's probably a planned song, and this is the premiere of it because this is a special occasion. This is that huge, long-anticipated moment, and here it comes. So it's a premiere that's going on. Many people have tried to write music for this song already, but they're not going to use that one. They got a new one planned for this moment. It's a huge occasion. So get that. Um, these, these people are probably with excitement proclaiming this worthiness of this lamb to take the scroll in a waited time to bring justice, reclaim, reclaiming the kingdom of earth. So I've put down there as the first top part of, of this um, thing to write out is the worthiness. They're singing about the worthiness to receive the scroll. That's the overall idea I'm saying you would kind of write down there. I'm trying to give you a pencil cramp uh, as well with your hands with all this writing. But he's worthy to receive the scroll, which brings us to why is the lamb worthy? And I gave you another space below that to kind of just jot some of your own thoughts of things I'm saying. Why is he worthy? I see this, and I've looked at a couple translations on it, but looking at what are the requirements, what are the qualifications, if you will, for him to be worthy to take this scroll. And what does it say? What's the first thing? For you were slain. And then some people would say the rest of it goes under that, but I see it as and what? Redeemed us. So you redeemed us from every tribe and tongue. And then it says, and made us kings and priests to our God. And... We shall reign. I'm not getting into specifics or argue with you about if, whether all that just fits under slain or not. Okay, but it's kind of the way it's listed out here. And in uh, several other translations I saw, it's like he's slain and he redeemed us and he made us kings and priests. It's not just that he died. He died for us, right? And it's, it's that he also is making us these kings and he's also making us to reign for him. So it's some neat stuff there as it all comes together. The redeemed, he reconciles to us to God by his blood, provides uh, my own thought, okay? He's taking the scroll. He's releasing judgment on the earth. But part of the character of God is love, not just justice. And so he's, it is love. He provides you a way out of that judgment as well. 
That's kind of what I'm seeing is just like, it's this beautiful thing going on here. He's, he's, he's worthy because he's provided, he's fulfilled God's, God's being of love to us and getting us away out of judgment. Um, so he's worthy to bring the judgment. He shows his attribute of love and compassion. We see God's justice and God's love, both of you God, who God is. It also uses the word us from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Okay, um, not some peoples, not certain group, but his love is provided for all. It's provided for me. It's easy to get hung up in this song um, that he redeemed us. The word us, in, um, out of every tribe and tongue and nation, he made us kings. The word us is debated translation. Okay, it's a debated translation. Some, many say them, he redeemed them. Okay, but it is kind of interesting here how it, it, the, the elders are singing. The elders would definitely have to be Christians if, they, if this is an us because they would have to be redeemed. The living creatures couldn't be redeemed. They didn't need to be redeemed. But we are the ones who need to be redeemed, right? We're the Christians. So interesting things to think about with a passage. I got to move on because my wife's getting boring or bored. I'm, no, she's not boring. She's getting bored of what I'm talking about. I can just sense it from here. All right. He made us kings and priests. Think about that. Most little girls want to be a princess. Most guys think they're a king, especially with their remote. God actually makes us royalty. We are actually, and we'll reign forever. Okay. And this is part of him showing his worthiness is that he does this for us. He makes us as well priests, those who can actually talk to God, we can offer sacrifice to God. We can actually worship God because I have a relationship with him because of Christ. So think about all that's being said within this song um, and a song that you could sing because he has redeemed you. Um, we shall reign is the last part that's up there. We shall reign on the earth. We have a future. Okay, and it's a glorious one. Um, let's, let's move on to the next song uh, so we can... Uh, keep, keep going, and this, this next part will go a little bit faster now that we, you know how we're working as well. But uh, who sings in this one? Angels and creatures. Yes, many angels with creatures and elders are singing along with it. Many angels. I mean, like, lots of angels. Where in the world do these angels come from? It's like, we haven't heard about them, and all of a sudden, do they just zip in? Do they just fade into place? I don't know what's going on here, but all of a sudden, there's a ton of angels around, okay? And they're all singing this as a response even right on the heels of this other song that's sung by the 28 with their harps. It, it goes right into this next song with a lot of angels singing. Are they saying it? Saying it's, it says sometimes saying, sometimes singing, depending on the spot. This one's saying with a quiet voice, right? Think about the number of the angels with a loud voice. Okay, this is a lot of sound. This is loud praise to our God. Uh, amazing. Okay, hope, hope I can be part of this, see it. Okay, so who do they sing to in this song? This is verses 11 and 12. I'm sorry, I didn't even say that kind of. Verses 11 and 12, the song's more in 12. So who are they singing to? 
They're singing to the Lamb again. Okay, this one is not point. This this one doesn't use the word you, right? Maybe slightly less personal. A lot of angels involved. Doesn't have to be that you as personal, maybe because they're not the ones being redeemed um, so much. Right? But it's interesting that it's not pointed at him. It's about the Lamb at, at the very least. Okay, it's worshiping the Lamb at the very least. Um, and then, what do they sing? Well, I'm just going to tell you, you might have jumped into that. They sing, uh, Worthy is the Lamb who's slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I just, I just, I said something. There it is. He's worthy. It's his worthiness to receive it all. Have we heard something like this already? To receive power and wisdom, glory, honor. Have you heard some of these words before? Chapter 4, verse 11, speaking to God who created all things. Okay, so they're starting to relate the Lamb to God here and saying He's worthy to receive it all as the great King of kings as well. So interesting comparison going on in this song as, as they start saying He's worthy. And these are the angels saying this, right? And, and then a few elders and, and the creatures. And then we get to verse 13. See, I told you it was going to go fast. People were saying I wasn't going to finish. I'm just flying through these songs of which we could spend more time. Verse 13 and 14. Actually, verse 13. It's a long verse. It says, And every creature which is in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and such that are in the sea, and all that is in Okay, so you've read it. Who's the, who sings in this one? All creatures everywhere. And I, I'm going to put something a little more specific. All those unworthy creatures everywhere, right? These are the ones from up in the heavens and below the earth and on the earth. They were the unworthy ones when the whole place was searched for who's worthy. They weren't worthy to open the scroll. These are all the unworthy creatures everywhere who are acclaiming something to our God. And it's interesting the difference. If you started looking at their song, can you see something different or something additional in their song? As we start thinking about who did they sing to? Oh, we are, wait, sorry. Okay, so yeah. Who did they sing to? I missed the second blank. Who? The lamb and? They sing to God and the lamb. They sing to both. They say to him who sits on the throne, that's God. That's the ancient of days. Okay, and the lamb. To God and to the lamb I will sing. And you hear many songs that kind of quote that. To God and to the lamb I will sing. And what do they sing but a very similar song to the previous one? Blessing. Blessing, often when we say here, it's praise, honor, glory, and power. Again, attributing royalty, godness to God and the Lamb together. What else is additional in that song? If we were going to talk about what do they sing? Look at how it ends. Forever and ever. So I, I went ahead and put on there, he's eternal worthiness. This is not a temporary worthiness of a kingdom which we've seen over and over in our histories that has its high day and its low day and we move on to greener pastures. This is, this is the king forever and ever and ever and he's worthy of it. His redeeming power never runs out. 
his it's it's always there for us it's always good and 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 this is the forever eternal king forever eternally worthy and they throw that into the song there which i think is amazing and it's not just to christ it's also to god right as both one the immovable god on the throne and the lamb together as one ascribed to god and the lamb which are one that whole concept that's so hard to get around ourselves. And then it ends with what we call in music a coda, like a, a final concluding section in verse 14, which says, Then the four creatures said, Amen. Probably Amen if you're really good at music. So Amen will say, and maybe it's a cascading amen. We don't really know. But there's an amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the one who lives forever and ever. Again, mentioned there. So amazing to see this whole scene unfold. We've been looking at it for five different times here on Sunday nights. And so wanted to get to, there's your amen and the elders fall down if you want to write something down there. But how should I approach God to worship him. I know I told the guys to have a microphone ready. I just want to take a few things. If you've had thoughts about worship and how you approach God or why we, we do what we do, maybe something we need to add here. You know, maybe, maybe you're going to say we need to add kneeling things for us to all fall down during church. I don't know what you're going to say. So let's get a, let's get a mic ready. And if you have something to, to add, maybe another thing you've thought of that maybe has to go with this or just something else about worship that you just want to share quickly, we'll take five minutes here or less to do that. But does anyone have something they've thought of that they'd share with us tonight about worship and approaching God? Which has been the purpose of these five messages. But Who is it over here who raised their hand? All right. Good. We're getting a mic for those people online. For some reason, I can only think of the name Huffstickler right now, and I call you all the time on the phone. This is so Tom. I'll answer to almost anything. Thank you, Tom. There was just a when you're up here, things. you forget things. It's amazing. Okay, go ahead, Tom. Um, out of when you think about this, there's uh, a couple of things came to mind with me. One of them out of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter five. It says, "Walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear." rather than to give sacri- the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Now, the, the other thing that comes to mind is, is right in the beginning of Revelation that you've already started and that's when we see John viewing Jesus in in heaven and it 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 says here in verse 12 of chapter 1 he says and I turned to see the voice that spoke with me and having turned I saw seven golden uh, lampstands and in the midst of the seven lampstands one like the son of man clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, 
as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, and he said, Do not be afraid. We have to bear in mind when we read this part that this is the John that witnessed Jesus' ministry on earth. This is the John that was on the Mount of Transfiguration with him. This is the same John who was given charge of uh, Jesus' earthly mother, Mary. And this is the same John that also laid his head on Jesus' bosom. So he was intimately uh, aware of, of Jesus and what he was doing. But look at what happens when he sees him raised. He fell at his feet as dead. Mm-hmm. So do we see God? Are we worshiping him as we should? Those are great things, Tom. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, Pastor, or Dr. Fan, whatever we're calling you now. No, as, as you were speaking, it just dawned on me that this is worshiping by sight. Right now we worship in faith. But this is when we see him, as Tom was just saying, and it will be a great day as we worship by sight. To see him as he is. Yeah. I was thinking about the humility that it must take because we cannot worship and lift someone else up and fall at someone else's feet unless we are, if we think we're big stuff. So uh, humility is, mm-hmm. when you say, what does it take to worship? It's, it seems like that would be the first thing. Yeah. Elders with their crowns submitting even before him. Yeah. Anyone else have something that's been burning? Go ahead, Pat. When we get to heaven, we're, we, it tells us we're going to worship the Lord forever and ever nonstop. Let's not get caught up in this temporary world right now, in the here and now. Let's worship the Lord now, every second of our day. Let's praise him and thank him. Don't let the devil get us caught up in this temporary thing. Let's just praise him right now, every second. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise, worship him with how we act. Worship him with what we say. Worship him in everything. That's, that's giving it all when we say honor, power, everything. It, it came from you. It coming, it's going back to you, right? Yep. Anyone else? Okay. We're going to, I don't see anybody popping your hand up. I know some of you are thinking other things. You can share it with us later if you wish. Um, but we're going to transition towards the Lord's Supper then as we think about the songs tonight that we've studied of the redeemed, of redemption. And I hope that you're excited about going to this God, worshiping Him, giving yourself to Him tonight. Uh, but as we transition, we have, um, I'm going to call David Curtis back up here. Um, we're turning in our hymn books to 57. Be Thou Exalted. We'll sing the first two stanzas as the deacon.